So I read you a few verses. Let me set the scene for you for our message, okay? So here, here, here's where we're at when this, when this text starts. You have the great apostle Paul sitting in prison in Rome, okay? He's in prison. And he had just informed his protege, his son in the faith, Timothy, who he had set up as the head pastor at Ephesus in Asia Minor there. He had just informed him that everybody in Asia, including two really prominent leaders in his church at Ephesus, had turned away from him, had turned against him in the gospel that he was teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. It had all been lost. It's moving. It's slipping away. It's like right now, Paul, everything and everyone that he had suffered for and sowed into seems to be moving away from the truth of Jesus Christ. That's where he's at right there. Paul moving away with a little bit of urgency and a little bit of desperation. Paul encourages Timothy to guard the good deposit which was entrusted to him. So he said, it's all being lost. We need to guard this thing, promote, protect, preserve what I have put in and what God has put into your heart, this thing we call Christianity. That's what he says. And what a deposit the apostle Paul gave Timothy. And not only Timothy, but the church, amen? If the apostle Paul did nothing else, he lived and proclaimed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for the glory and honor of God the Father, amen? If you look at his life, that's what he was all about. It's a novel concept, like preaching the gospel, but actually pouring your life out as a sacrifice, living the gospel. That's the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul knew something then that you and I know right now is that this good deposit, this thing that we have going on here, what we call authentic Christianity, it needs a garden. It's the last <laughs> pillar and buttress of truth that's holding society up, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> we know that now more than ever, amen? I mean, read the news for goodness sake, or don't. If you wanna save your TV, right? I always wanna throw a shoe at it or something. I'm like, what? Honey, stop watching the news, you're breaking the TV. Now more than ever, the good deposit that has been given to us needs to be guarded, protected, promoted, right? Preserved, it needs to move on. That's the landscape of, that's the landscape of chapter two. That, that's where we're entering into now. A little desperate, a little urgent. Hey, we need to start doing this just like we do right now. And how we do that is in part the crux of my message today and what the first few verses of chapter two is all about. And it's a lot like letting loose anything powerful. Uh, uh, it will protect itself, right? It's like letting loose a lion, right? Do you remember that quote from Charles Spurgeon, that great English preacher? When, when asked how to defend scripture, how to defend really powerful things, he just said, hey, listen, man, who defends a lion? Just let it loose and let it defend itself, right? That's kind of what, what, what's going on in chapter two. Paul wants to let God's word speak 
and go out and defend itself as we're obedient to it. That's how you defend the gospel. That's how you defend the good deposit that's been put into our hearts by people, the fathers of our faith in Jesus Christ, the power of his Holy Spirit that's been given to us, amen? That's how you do it. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about just three ways to let loose this lion and guard this good deposit that's been entrusted to us. Chapter two, verse one, we find our first one. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Gotta be strong, number one. You gotta be strong. Here's what I know. If you're gonna guard anything, you better be strong. Otherwise, there's gonna be nothing to guard. Amen? Strong people guard stuff. Otherwise, there's nothing to guard. Amen? Right? I remember long ago, 18 years old, 17 years old, in the Soviet Union, competing in wrestling. That's how old I am. Soviet Union, for you young people. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're there at Red Square touring after we competed and a bunch of us people, I don't know if you guys have ever been there or seen pictures of that square. And there was kind of like in England, there's guards in the front of important buildings. I think it was the Kremlin. I don't know, but there was, there were, I remember there were guards and they were like big, strong, and they were stout and they would not be moved. And I remember we started taunting them. 17 year old Americans, right? <laughs> hey, trying to get them to blink and move. They were just, they had their arms and they were just, and then an interesting thing happened. The biggest, strongest, baddest guy on our team, the heavyweight, who was a national champion, who had just crushed every Russian in sight, said, hey guys, what if he actually does charge us? <laughs> strong guard, don't mess with the guard. Guards need to be strong, right? And we need to be strong in Jesus Christ's grace. Did you see the source of the strength for the Christian? It's not these. It's not mustering up. It's not bootstrap religion. It's not, look at all my talent. It's God's grace that strengthens the believer. And if we first want to guard, protect, promote, move this thing forward, stop being so frustrated about this country and it seems like everybody moving away from it, Judeo-Christian vows, you might want to start by just being strong in the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Remember grace? Oh, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. A plus for this young lady right here. That's it. God's riches at Christ's expense. That free unmerited gift that you got through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says that he who knew no sin became sin that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? That is an awesome thing. God's grace, amazing grace. How can it be that thou shalt die for me? That's what strengthens the believer is grabbing hold of that in revolving your life in a sphere of grace, living in that grace. Amen? Grace is a peculiar thing, though, isn't it? We need it to be strong, but when we're strong, we don't have it. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a peculiar dichotomy, right? 
Because we know that when we are strong in our own strength and we are prideful in that, we know that God resists us, right? According to Peter's epistle, remember? God resists the proud, the strong in their own might, but yet he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in his due time. Amen? See, it's a peculiar thing, this grace, but if we want to do anything, anything to guard this great deposit that's been entrusted to us, authentic Christianity, right? Changed lives. From dead people walking to children of the highest God, God Almighty, amen? That, we want to guard any of that. We want to pass it on to anybody. We want to do any of this stuff, preserve it, promote it, guard it. You better be strong and you better start acknowledging that you're only strong in Jesus Christ's grace, amen? That's the first thing of letting loose a lion is just use your grace. Two, you gotta pass it on. You gotta pass this thing on. Let me read it to you. Verse two, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Pass it on. Share it. Now listen, we were once in darkness. We were once in darkness, walking dead, like I said, and we were changed like that. Why would you hide that? It's so valuable and infinite value. But yet, what do we do? Like the song says, we hide it under a bush, right? Oh no, we need to let our light shine. If you want this thing to move on, you gotta get down to grassroots, you gotta share it. You gotta give it to someone so they can give it to someone, amen? That's the idea, what a wonderful opportunity we have right here and responsibility right here to pass it on. Parents, to your kids. They learn a certain lifestyle by watching you. Pass it on not only in word, but in your deeds. Oh, could you, if you hear nothing else, could you pass it along not only with your words, but your deeds? Pass it on. Kids might actually see that. Adopt that lifestyle and pass it to their kids, you see? Pass it on. Instead of being frustrated and throwing a shoe at the TV because everybody's doing whatever, why don't you pass it on with your life? to your kids, kids, sometimes to your parents, right? Grandkids, to grandparents, I've seen it all. Teammates to teammates, coaches to athletes, athletes to coaches, coworkers to coworkers, right? Bosses to employees, employees to bosses. I've seen it all and it's amazing. Pass it on if you want to guard the truth. Promote it and move it forward, amen? Amen, we gotta pass it on. The third thing, is that we need to commit ourselves wholly to obedience. Now listen to me. This is easier said than done. Okay, listen to me. We need to resolutely follow our Lord. Set ourselves to live a Christian lifestyle wherever you are and whoever you are. It's important. It'll count to all eternity. We need to commit ourselves to obedience and resolutely follow our Lord. Listen how he gives us three verses here. He gives us analogy of three types of people, soldier, 
an athlete and a farmer to help us with this. Check it out, verse three. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We'll stop there. The first one to commit yourself to obedience is to be a good suffering soldier, okay? Here's what I know about soldiers, okay? They're dedicated. So if you wanna commit yourself to the Lord and to obedience, you gotta be dedicated like a suffering soldier. Now listen to me, I'm not a soldier, never have been one, but what he's referring to here is a combat soldier. And if there are any veterans of combat missions, God bless you and praise God for you. These people suffer. And when this was written, wars were won by the hands of people, not by bombs, not by somebody sitting in a box somewhere droning someone. This was usually pretty dirty work. Dirty work. Right? No doubt the suffering soldier saw things with his eyes that he ought not to see. He himself could be suffering physically, not to mention the emotions that happen when you take another's life. Wars are needed sometimes, but they are dirty business. And if you ever seen a soldier, the way they suffer, they suffer like a good soldier. That's a saying we say, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year sometimes, they're in that environment suffering and they do it like a good soldier. They wake up, they strap it on, and they get after it again. Partly because they're honorable warriors, but also partly because of what our scripture says. They don't get themselves entangled in civilian pursuits. They're not aiming to please political figures. They're probably fighting for the guy right next to them and the one that they're in, that's in charge of them. That's probably who they're fighting for. Suffering soldier looking to please the one who enlisted him. Now listen to me. In your Christian life, you're gonna suffer. You're supposed to say, no, duh. Those of us who have lived long enough understand that concept, right? That in this world, you will have tribulation. So if you're sitting here and you're new to this game, or you've just been skating through life somehow, bobbing and weaving, I don't know. Listen, it's coming to a theater near you soon. Get ready for it, okay? Don't act like it's strange when it happens. And when it does, have you ever thought of this? That maybe, just maybe, just in part, that maybe you're suffering. Maybe the world's watching the Christian. And how you go through that might have an effect on how this thing moves forward. How we guard this thing we call Christianity. And our fathers have suffered well. Christian fathers. We need to suffer well. Amen? Amen? The soldier has a single mind when he suffers. He's a good soldier. He takes it like a soldier. He wants to please the one that's above him and beside him. And I'm telling you, that's the way we need to be. When we go through things, sometimes they're for the glory and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ, as hard as that might be to drink. Amen? And when you do that, (laughs) 
this thing takes off. Christianity takes off when the Christian's persecuted and he suffers and he smiles and he takes it like a good soldier for the glory and honor of Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, this thing takes off. That's the story of the Bible, by the way. The harder you were on them, the more it grew, right? So don't forget that. We need to be dedicated like a soldier. The second one is we need to have the discipline of an athlete. Now, there's some coaches in here. Saw Coach Dennis back there. Soccer juggernaut back there, right? Some people have coached here. They understand athletes. Listen, here's what I understand about being an athlete. In my good old days, I learned to say no to a lot of things because I was disciplined because I wanted to go to a certain place with my athletic career. And it took me saying no to a lot of things. Short-term sacrifice, long-term game. That's what was in my mind. I can't even count the many meals I lost and said no to. Anybody who's in a sport who has weight classes understands the last two or three days of your life before weigh-ins, you say no all the time, even to water. You're a different human being when you get down to weight, if you do it right or wrong, however you look at it. You learn to say no. They're disciplined. The things they put in their body, the lifestyles they live, there's certain things you don't do as an athlete if you want to be something down the road. That's his point. Be disciplined like an, like an athlete if you want to commit yourself to obedience. Got to have discipline. Got to have self-control. You got to remember James. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, right? Happy. You want to be happy? Say no to something that keeps crushing you. Ask God by the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to those things. You will be happy. I ask you this. Are you happy when you give in to your temptations? I'm not. When you know it's that time of breaking point where it gives birth and it's about ready to give birth to sin and you say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I know, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it. How good do you feel after you cave into that? Good or bad? Happy or sad? Christian. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Amen? Disciplined like an athlete. And as it pertains to guarding this truth, man, we can be hypocritical as Christians. We can throw shoes at the TV, go on and on about how this place is going to heck in a handbasket and no one cares about Judeo-Christian values anymore and there's no respect for it. We complain about, now there's no prayer in school. But yet we don't pray. Right? That's just one example. I don't like it either, but hey, my prayer life isn't that great. Do you know who sees that? The world. You want to move this thing forward and prove to people this is authentic. This is real stuff. This isn't a religion. This is a relationship with one who can change you and change your life and your outlook and the world forever. You want to, one thing you might want to do is not be hypocritical. <laughs> the world has a, a hypocritical radar. Be disciplined. Say no to the things that the world says yes to. It's hard to do. I know we're humans. 
Quit acting like the world and then be mad at the world for them taking away the Christian things. Am I speaking to anybody here today besides, I mean, I just want to know I got the right group here. Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm just, oh, I'm talking about my life here. Right? Discipline like an athlete. Finally, it's the hardworking farmer. Okay, it's hard work. That re- it reminds us if we want to be fully committed to the obedience, we need to let this lion out to help. We, we, we actually, listen, guys, we've got to work. We've got to work hard. Now, listen, I know this is Christianity. This is not a religion. This is a relationship where we let God Almighty, through his spirit, live a life through us. It's not based on works based on grace and faith and letting him live a supernatural life out of us. I understand that. With that being said, God's got to have something to work with. And I will tell you this. I have never, ever seen an effective, lazy Christian spiritually. I just haven't. You can point them out to me or her out to me. Maybe I missed them. But I've been in this gig a while raised in the church, talked to a lot of people, and I have never, ever seen an effective Christian who's spiritually lazy. Did you know that? You gotta work. Like a diligent farmer. That's what he's saying. Listen. We need to work hard. We need to make spiritual things a priority in our lives. If you want to pass this on, Guard it by promoting it, preserving it, moving it to the next generation so you're not whining about it going away. Listen, you gotta work, okay? You gotta work at it. You gotta be diligent at it. The disciplines, praying, reading your Bible, sharing the gospel, just living the gospel, loving one another, amen? Investing in people over self, you got to work at that. Now listen, I am, this, this works. Paul to Timothy, you see it all the time. Paul to a bunch of young men, you see it all the time in the Bible. I'm up here right now, mostly because my dad taught me how to learn the Bible. <laughs> taught me how to learn the Bible. Didn't do very good with my grammar anyways. <laughs> right? I watched a hardworking pastor make sacrifices because what God put on his heart and it impressed me. It arrested me. It changed me. And it inspired me. He was a hardworking pastor. Listen, I remember pushing 60, he decided, I gotta go to seminary. I gotta get some more tools to, to help the sheep that God entrusted me with. So this was his schedule. Full business, right? employees and partners and everything, right? Patriarch of a large family, a busy life. He would wake up at two in the morning on Thursday mornings and drive four and a half hours away to get to seminary Thursday morning at seven or eight for class. He would go to class all day, sleep in a trailer in some back alley somewhere, wake up, do it again all day Friday, half a day Saturday to drive home to deliver a message Sunday morning to his church. And then he'd wake up Monday morning, 
go out and lay some block. Kind of hard work. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then do it all over again for two years. Wow. Let me tell you something. That's an effective person in my life. He's got coupons to spend, not only because he's my dad, but I saw how diligent he was, how precious and how valuable the word of God was to him. It spoke way more than words could ever speak to me. And I will just say this. Hey, dad, whatever differences we've had, and we have a good relationship, we've missed each other from time and again. If there was nothing else he ever did when I saw that, that's enough. That's enough for me. He loves the Lord and he put his money where his mouth was. And I'm here before you today, mostly because of him. Amen. That's the power of being a diligent farmer or Mason in this case can be. Amen. So listen, if you want to guard this deposit, you take it serious because for some reason it bugs you where the world's heading. Those are three ways that you can let loose a lion. Let it, just let it go and let it defend itself. You don't have to cut people's ear off and be a jerk and be a goody two-shoe, whatever they want to call it. You don't do any of that stuff. What you end up doing is you get strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You live your life in a sphere of graciousness. You're gracious with your spouse. You're gracious with the people that you come in contact with. You are living grace by the power of God. Amen? You also pass it on. You got to tell people you can't hide that wonderful treasure inside you under a bush. You let it shine, right? And then third, you got to commit yourself to obedience. Remember the suffering soldier, right? Remember the diligent farmer, right? Remember the disciplined athlete. Now listen, our God's so good, obviously. He's so gracious that as we carry on letting this lion loose, there's some encouragement that goes along with it. When you live a Christian lifestyle guarding the truth, you're naturally, as the lion is loose, he encourages you. And I just want to talk about four ways that as we do this, God can encourage you and I. And it's beautiful. It starts in verse 7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I call this living in reality. As we meditate, think on scripture and ways to guard this deposit that was inside of us, spiritual things are important, we go about our business. Listen, as we meditate on those things, we start to see things differently. Has that ever happened to you? When you're reading the Bible and you go, who's reading who? What in the world? You start living reality, right? He'll give you understanding and everything. And, and it's not so much the emphasis in this verse isn't so much the details of scripture as much as I love that. I'm a word hound. I love studying original language and all that stuff that my dad taught me. I just love that stuff. But that's not the emphasis here. The emphasis here is how scripture fits into your little life, your little life on this little blue planet that's important to God. 
When you start reading this book and meditate on it, you'll see that scripture has the explanations of the pressures that you're going through. It does. It explains them. They have the analysis of the psychological difficulties we're all experiencing right now. It does. It has the practical solutions to the problems we're all facing. Read the Bible. Meditate on how scripture fits into your life. You might be surprised. You might start seeing yourself and others differently. That's what it does to me. I, I see things differently. I see them in reality, realistically. I start to see them the way God sees them. And that's what really matters, right? As a Christian. So number one encouragement is that we start living realistically because the Lord will give us understanding in everything, amen? The second one is the encouragement of the resurrected yet very human Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read it. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Now listen, saying it ain't so, Apostle Paul, is all I really need to, to be encouraged and to get out of the moly grubs is just remember Jesus Christ? Is that it? Let me tell you something. If you learn nothing else from today, Jesus Christ is the deep end of encouragement. Did you know that? Remembering Jesus Christ, that's the deep end. If you can't be encouraged by Jesus Christ, God help us all. Someone cut off your ears. This is Jesus Christ, resurrected yet very human. Here's the emphasis. Jesus Christ is beautifully wonderful. He was both divine and human when he walked the earth. He was the God-man. Totally divine. Totally divine. That's why he says resurrected Lord. Who gets resurrected from the grave and never die again? God, right? He's God. You see it in the Gospels. He's God. He turned water into wine. He touched people's eyes and they saw that they were blind and now they see. He touched people and they leapt, right? He calmed the waves. He was God Almighty in flesh. He had perfect control over everything he made. It's God Almighty. He, he, he's divine. Oh, but he took that step down into suffer by our side, take on a human body, and they called him Jesus, right? And, and, and he joined a human nature to his one divine person. Can you imagine that? Do you remember the gospel? Jesus wept. He laughed. He smiled. He cried. He shared meals. He ate. He experienced loss. He was sorrowful. He was grieved. Offspring of David. Hey, here's a way to look at it. He's one of us. Jesus is one of us. Both divine, but human. He's one of you, and he's one of me. And he did that at least in part, so that we might know that he understands us, that he can sympathize with the human experience, right? 
He did life. He did humanity, yet without sin. So that when we go to him, Hebrews chapter 4, we can go to our great high priest, right? We can go to him boldly with confidence that he gets you and he can sympathize with our, our weaknesses. Amen? You want to be encouraged? While we promote and preserve and move this thing forward, you discouraged? Do you curse at the TV and throw shoes at it like I do? Do you sound like an old man on a fence sometimes? Just, ugh, get off my grass. <laughs> right? I'm ashamed of myself sometimes how quickly I can get discouraged. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Risen from the grave, offspring of David. Amen? All right, we got a couple more. Verse nine, check this out. I like this one as well. I am suffering, Paul says, with chains as a criminal. Now remember, he's in prison. He's in prison. Treated like a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. I like that. It's the encouragement that God's word is not limited or bound up. Did you know that? Nope. Paul is, but he's saying the word that comes out of my mouth will never be bound, will never be gagged, will never be chained. Amen? It's like the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 40. Remember? The grass withers and the flower <coughs> fades, but the word of God endures forever. Amen? Yeah. In chapter 55, he said his word, the Lord's word, won't return Void. Listen, this whole verse, this encouragement right here is the antithesis. It's the antithesis of that saying we learned when we were kids when we got hurt. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Lie, lie, lie. Keep telling yourself that. That's how we make ourselves feel better when people hurt us with their words, right? It's the antithesis of that. It's like, listen, you can beat me down and you can chain me up. The Bible has, if it has a, a story that runs through it, is beat up everybody if you want, but this thing's moving forward. Chain me up, beat me down, take a stick and a stone and hit me with it and it doesn't matter because the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his words in scripture, inspired by God's spirit, will go forward, amen? And it is not bound. So I don't get too excited sometimes when this place goes sideways. If I remember myself, a couple of things, like first thing is, listen, God's word will go out. It's being preached. They can throttle it all they want. It has power and it is not bound. Amen? Amen. Let loose that lion. Speaking of suffering, sticks and stones, let's check out our last one as we close. We make our last point here. It's the encouragement that suffering sometimes serves as the deliverance for other people. It's a great one. This is something to remember when you're going through the hurt locker. Let me read it for you. It's Paul. It's really Paul's motive. Says, for which I am suffering. Okay, therefore, verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Jesus Christ 
with eternal glory. Paul suffered. Did you know that? Do you know what Paul suffered? Let me read you just a tidbit of his life. Check it out. It's in 2 Corinthians. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brethren in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and in exposure. And apart from all these other things, it's a daily pressure that the anxiety from all the churches put on me. <laughs> Spoken like a true pastor, right? I almost died a million times, but what's the worst part about it? I'm worried about you guys. <laughs> Man, he suffered and he did it all. Poured himself out all so someone else could get saved. Did you hear it? For the glory that they would come into salvation. Oh, Paul's suffering proved to deliver other people. It's something to think about. Sometimes people succeed without suffering. Probably because someone suffered so that they might succeed. Amen? Right? And sometimes we suffer and we don't succeed so that others might succeed and not suffer. Do you get it? Sometimes suffering leads to success and it ain't always you. Something that's going around, it's pretty popular right now, is that stuff is free. You guys hear that? Have you heard that? Like, like there's free stuff. I don't know. I don't think there's any free lunch. I don't know what president said that, but he was on to something. There is no free lunch. Everything costs something. Whether you're paying it or someone else is paying it, it costs something. It, it goes against all science that something would be free. You may get it free, but someone had to get it from somewhere, right? Does that make sense? But, God, but, but, but Dan, what about the grace of Lord Jesus? Yeah, it is a free unmerited gift for us. Do you remember what it cost him? Everything. It cost him everything. There's no free lunch. But the blessing when you suffer is that it's for something. Now listen, as we wrap this thing up, we'll close into commun communion here. We might want to remember Jesus right now and how he suffered to deliver us. Amen? Do you remember what he said when he came on the scene there in the Gospels? He said, I didn't come to be served. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came on earth and he said, I did not come here for you to serve me. <laughs> really? What an amazing Lord. He said, I have come to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Amen is right. Man, if that doesn't encourage you, oh my goodness. Jesus Christ is to be remembered. 
It's the same one, the same one, the same one who invites us to sup with him at his table, communion, right? That's the same one. The one that gave it all and gave his best when you were at your worst so that you could be the best and righteous, right? That one, okay, is inviting you to his communion table today. And we do this by faith. And I don't know if you remember, but he said to do this in remembrance of him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how frustrated you are with current events or where you're at with what has been deposited in you or even if you have a deposit. But listen to me. If you're down right now, look to Jesus. Remember Jesus. When he taught us how to take communion, I don't know if you remember, the very night he was betrayed, Imagine that. Jesus Christ, what he had sowed into those 12, the life he lived, the sacrifices he made, and he knew what was coming. The very night that he was betrayed, that night, up in that room, he grabbed a piece of bread and he broke it. And after he had given thanks, he gave thanks for himself. That's our Lord. He broke it. He said, this is for you. This is my body. Do this. Eat it in remembrance of me. Amen? Shall we partake? Likewise, after the supper was over, he grabbed the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Man, there is no remission of sin without shed blood. And let me tell you something, like the song we sung, the precious blood of Jesus will wash you white as snow or has washed you white as snow. Amen? So we take that cup of forgiveness. May we drink it in by faith and be forgiven afresh. Again, shall we partake. Will you stand as we pray and sing one last song? And before you leave today, if you need prayer, there'll be people down here. If you don't have a deposit and you want to hear about Jesus Christ, I'll be down here. And I'll tell you how he can wash you white as snow. Amen. If you want to be baptized, it's available. So Father, you're such a good God sending your son triumphantly into our hearts thank you so much 
May this day we bring you glory and honor that you deserve. May you be glorified right here in this place, in our little lives as you are in heaven. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen.